The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump's got beef, but not the way you think. He just announced a trade extension, trade deal, trade opening with the European Union. Good news for farmers, at least heading to Europe. But what about what's going on with the U.S.-China trade talks? President Trump threatening more tariffs. Against the Chinese, I've got your complete trade look forecast. Jobs Day, Jobs Day, 166,000 jobs added to the U.S. economy last month. We'll dive into the policy and the politics on that front as well. Meanwhile, latest news out of the department for or the director for national intelligence, Ratcliffe is out. Ratcliffe is out. President Trump tweeting out that he wants Ratcliffe to stay in. Congress. We've got an all-star panel to help navigate through all of this, what has shaped up to be a really busy day, Friday. TGIF here in Washington, D.C. Mark Ross is back. He's founder of Caracal Global, a global communications firm. Matt Brooks returns. He's a Republican strategist and the executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition, as well as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, which is always good to have around. Sorry, Washington. Go birds. Before we get to all of that, you know, you, can't, you can take the kid out of Delco, but you can't <laughs> take him out of the kid. Before we get to all of that... Uh, I was shocked by all of the trade news coming out of the White House throughout the day. And let's just set the stage. We begin the day with President Trump suggesting, threatening, that he is going to tack on uh, like $300 million worth of additional tariffs on the Chinese. This following the meetings earlier this week of U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer returning from Shanghai and the president suggesting that, well, those talks are not going the way that he had hoped. It comes following him saying that he's not really anticipating a U.S.-China trade deal potentially until after the 2020 presidential election. So that's on the China front. Then we this announcement. I'm at the White House like shortly after 2 p.m. And I'm standing outside at the White House. I'm like, oh, slow Friday. Nope, not in this White House. And the president says that he has gotten a de- a, some type of mini deal or agreement arrangement uh, with the European Union that f- this is good news for beef exporters that he's allowed, which is good news for agriculture. They've allowed there to be a new market of sorts for the beef exporting market. Mark Ross put all of this into perspective for us and what it all means as we head into August. What it means is – Really lack of certainty, I would say. I think the biggest 
challenge is Trump. There's a lot of frustration. Like he used like a lot of words. They he kept saying the word "not." Like the, the Chinese are not buying. They're not stopping. Not moving fast enough. So there's a lot of frustration there. And the re- there's just a general uncertainty of where we're going with it. There's certainly an agreement here in Washington D.C. that there should be pushback on the Chinese government, that something has to be done, they need to reform their economy. The question is the the tactics. But to finish up the day, I think the European Union actually did a pretty smart thing. Um, The trade deal allowing more exports of U.S. beef, very positive development, not really a huge number, around a few hundred million dollars. In fact, I think Real Madrid has a bigger payroll than the number, but it's a positive (laughs) step forward, and it's something that the the president can hang his hat on. But trade is certainly going to be front and center, until but see, election day. See, for sure. see, Matt Brooks, I look at it this way because, like, you, I mean, you know this, Republican strategists. I mean, the farmers are—they're uneasy. They're not—they're not leaving him in droves and support. But if you're a farmer and you're—you're you're really impacted by the price of soybeans and how sorghum is trading, and you look at the headlines on the U.S.-China trade front, that things aren't—that things are—that there's uncertainty there, and then you end the Friday with, okay, well, you know, I mean. The president is is surrounded by beef industry representatives at the White House, and they're saying, "Hey, you know, you've got some you've got some good news heading Europe." Yeah, there were a lot of uh, ten gallon hats walking around the <laughs> <laughs> the White House today. If you saw any, like, of I the, want a uh, hamburger. The pictures. <laughs> yeah. um, no, look. The the reality is, is I think you know, looking through, look at this through the political prism, and you're exactly right. There is angst uh, among the farmers, not just because of the trade stuff. Obviously, many of them have been weather impacted uh, over the course of of the past year. But I think at the end of the day, the reason that they're staying with the president and they understand uh, that there's some short term. Uh, uh, worry uh, is because they, they believe in the overall strategy. If you talk to the dairy farmers, for instance, in Wisconsin, who feel that they've been getting a raw deal, uh, you know, in terms of dairy price supports and, and interference by the Canadian government, you know, they like the fact that, that President Trump is speaking up and standing out, uh, sp- speaking up, uh, standing up and speaking out uh, on an issue they care very deeply about. And they want someone who's going to be a fighter for, for uh, uh, their concerns. So I think that this ultimately, um, I think, the, you know, they will obviously applaud what happened today, but it's part of a bigger strategy that I think we'll start to see a lot more dividends when some of these other things play themselves out. Take a listen to what President Trump had to say earlier today at the White House about the new EU deal being good for European eaters. Take a listen. This is a tremendous victory for American farmers, ranchers, and, of course, European consumers, because American beef is considered the best in the world. So in layman's terms, like, and really simplify this, keep it very, very simple, what precisely does it mean when President Trump says that, this, that he's established a duty-free tariff rate quota for the United States in European markets? Mark Ross, translate that for me. Uh, simplify. Basically, there are quotas. The European Union says we can only import any goods because they also have farmers. They also have folks that supply uh, meat and poultry products. So essentially, we have carved out, we, the United States government, have carved out a bigger portion of that quota. And over the next few years, that number will increase. I think the first number is $150 million, and it's going to escalate up to $500 million over the next two or three years. So it's a positive step forward. So it means they can get more, more uh, U.S. burgers. Absolutely. I even bought some American beef today. It's absolutely fantastic. But this is a positive development in the sense that um, the European Union is signaling, let's find a way to work together, right? Obviously, there was that off-color joke. I love this joke. Did you see this? <laughs> Where the president... I literally... So, 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 like, he's walking out, and you're like, oh, wow, like, president's ending the 
Friday. He's got like his, you know, he's got to deal with the beef and good, you know, ranchers. And then he got like the next breath. He's like, I could have, uh, I could have, uh, I could have added like a 50% tariff on like uh, uh, autos. On, I could have added an auto tariff on Mercedes Benz. And like everyone was like, what? <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> because you just don't know. But it was, there, there's, what's that quote? There's, there's truth in humor, Matt Brooks. There's truth in humor. And he's essentially saying, look, Look, EU, I mean, I'm signaling we can get this back on track here, but look what I did with the Chinese. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no question about that. I think he is, is clearly trying to send a message. Uh, I wish as part of the, the uh, uh, statement today he would have said that he was going to put a 100% tariff on Impossible Burger. Uh, <laughs> right, because, because I think that actually reflects a greater threat to Western civilization than, uh, uh, than all this. So I am pro-beef and uh, – uh, but I do think this is a good day for the president. I think it's a good day for the cattle industry. You know, uh, he it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays. So, you know, if you're grilling this weekend, just think your burger could now end up in Europe. Coming up, panel stays. Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Global. Matt Brooks, Republican strategist and executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. These are indeed patriots. They're always targeted first by other countries to try and take advantage of the United States. They're the first to be targeted, but uh, we, uh, we take that target off their back. That was President Trump speaking earlier today at the White House about farmers. It comes following his remarks last evening in Cincinnati, Ohio, at a campaign re-election rally. The president saying and referring to Xi Jinping, the president of China, as a close and personal friend, but uh, he threatened... $300 million worth of additional tariffs today against the Chinese, and China's saying that they're going to have to respond. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I am joined by Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Global, and Matt Brooks, a Republican strategist and executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Earlier today, gentlemen, uh, my colleague Jonathan Farrow interviewed Larry Kudlow on Bloomberg Television. You got to go to go log on to the terminal or, or go to BloombergTV.com and watch this interview because it was really fascinating to get the administration's perspective about why they are threatening tariffs against China. Take a listen uh, to what Larry Kudlow said with China tariffs and why there's more. Here he is. He indicated in good faith a very respectful note to President Xi. But we hope to continue the talks in September. We hope their team comes here. Um, but in terms of the progress of the deal, the president's not satisfied. So I, I was just in Detroit, your, your hometown, Mark Ross. The Motown. For, for oh, the Motown. I was born General there. Motors. Born and lived, yeah. I got to say, by the way, beautiful, beautiful city. It's an Loved exceptional it. city. Go visit they, Detroit. I didn't know they were a pizza town, but I'm uh, like obsessed Great with food Detroit town, pizza. absolutely. So I, I was struck by this, though, because on that debate stage, both nights, uh, there was a lot of criticism about uh, how the president is negotiating uh, with China. And there's debate, just like there is within the Republican Party, about usage of tariffs. And there is an open debate, and we cover it virtually every day here. There's also a debate about tariffs in the Democratic Party. When Beto O'Rourke 
the former congressman from Texas, is saying that he doesn't like tariffs, but Senators Warren and Sanders are suggesting that tariffs are a tool that they would use. It's that streak of populism that exists on both in both political parties. Um, but from the administration's standpoint with regards to tariffs, they're trying to say this is not a tax on Americans but attacks on the Chinese. Mark Ross, I want to play for you what Larry Kudlow told Jonathan Farrow on that point, and I want to get your reaction. Take a listen to what Larry Kudlow said on Bloomberg Television today about China bearing the brunt of tariffs. Here, here he is. The economic burdens have fallen most heavily on China. They've had to slash prices to try to compete. That has done damage to their profits and their companies, and their economy is in a very big slowing mode. So, listen, the, it was interesting. I saw the interview, and the White and Larry Kudlow, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, going back many, many decades, uh, was hesitant to actually put a number on it, and I saw some numbers today. Maybe it's going to be a few hundred bucks a household, right, these new tariffs. What's interesting about these new tranche of tariffs is that they're actually going to impact consumer goods. We're talking clothing, back-to-school items. Toys. Kind of toys, exactly. And my wife this morning, after she greeted me and said hello, the second thing she said to me, she's like, it's about time I maybe should buy my new iPad, right? And here's someone who watches more Bravo than Bloomberg, but she is now I seeing- watch both for the record <laughs> and ESPN. <laughs> I'm tough to figure out. Go ahead. But what, that to me was striking because it's a, it's a bigger macro issue that maybe these items are getting more expensive. We are clearly importing a lot of goods from China, and it's just another increase. And whether or not it's a huge number per household, collectively- it is a tax on the U.S., and it also creates uncertainty about where I'm going to put my funds to buy these. I mean, if you're a business, Matt Brooks, and you're trying to forecast the fourth quarter, right? I mean, I make a joke about toys, but I mean, I think it was Mattel today that was, you know, down a little bit. Uh, because, yes, there are commodities, metals, and plastics and whatnot, and they're wrapped up in the toy debate. But, I mean, they're all going to get shipped. All these toys are about to get shipped in September for the fourth quarter for the holidays. And... That's where things get interesting, and IP also wrapped into that. I mean, because kids these days, you ever see their toys? They like they've got like drones, they've got like robots. I'm like, I had a soccer ball. Like what? You I, sound I, like an old man. I, you know, I'm an old soul. <laughs> but uh, but on the <laughs> but on the issue of, of of all of this in terms of of how this is trying to price, there's just been a flood of economic news for the consumer to figure out. Do you think Matt Brooks that the American consumer in the heartland, for example, is viewing tariffs as a tax? I think they they view it as a additional cost. That at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that the Portland people have have benefited from they benefited from uh, the president's middle class tax cuts, uh, which put a lot of capital back into people's pockets and and back into the economy. Uh, we just saw a rate cut by the Fed today, which is gonna which is gonna obviously have an impact with consumers across the board. So I think some of this effect has been has been mitigated, and and at some point. One of the two sides is going to blink, um, and you know it's a game of chicken right now. The, the the president is absolutely right for doing what he's doing. You know, sort of reminding this whole thing. If you go back, you know, there's been countless uh, times where the White House or, or you know stories have come out from the White House and elsewhere that were very very close to the deal that they think the the deal is there. And it's like it's like Lucy in football, you know. <laughs> and then the Chinese just decide nope. It's not, and then we're back to square one. And I think the president's had enough of those shenanigans, and I think he's he's prepared to you know to to turn the valve as as tight as he 
as he can. You know, you mentioned the eco data. We did get some. Today was Jobs Day. One hundred and sixty-four thousand jobs, and I want to correct myself. I said one sixty-six at the start of the show. One hundred and sixty-four thousand jobs added to the U.S. economy, uh, and. Uh, that that was, you know, I mean, Mark Ross, solid number. No, we're at a 50-year low on employers. Mm-hmm. Um, no, all very solid. I think in the short term, yeah, very good stuff, and maybe we can weather this. But if Trump wanted to, if he had complete confidence in his rationale for instru- instituting tariffs, he would have done it today. He's given himself 30 days, right? He said this is going to happen September 1. And even today, Larry Kudlow said, listen, let's do some dollar diplomacy if China does buy goods from the Midwest, some soybeans, uh, we don't have to institute these new tariffs. So uh, the game is definitely being, there's definitely a game of chicken being played. Um, is this the right tactic? You know, why, why not flip it the other way and be positive moving forward? What's this going to do for new Apple stores in China, new city bake branches, new Marriott hotels, new casinos being open in China? Like, let's look at the bigger picture. This kind of short-term politics is working on the campaign trail, but I'm not sure it's serving the nation long-term. I mean, 164,000 jobs added in July. This according to the Department of Labor, uh, them, they're releasing their numbers for, for July. This is a, still a record hiring streak, uh, and and the unemployment remains largely unchanged. I mean, it's still at about uh, 3.7%. So, I mean, and, and there was some positive wage growth in numbers in there, hourly wage growth in there. As well, so I mean, you know, it, it's just the bevy of economic indicators every single day. It's like it's like I'm a weatherman sometimes, where you're looking at all these different regions, and you're like, it's hot here, it's cold here, China bad, Europe good, uh, but job numbers holding steady. I mean, it really is fascinating. And for the and the Fed, don't forget about the Fed. And so I think for the average American consumer in towns like Delco, where I grew up, or in Detroit, where you grew up, Mark, or Philly, where you grew up. Uh, Matt, I mean, it's a lot to sort through. Um, and in the month of August, I mean, it's a lot for them to, to get through. And, oh, yeah, if that weren't enough, throw in 25 Democratic presidential candidates, <laughs> which is where we're going to talk about coming up next. Matt Brooks stays. Mark Ross stays. You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. It's all of our previous episodes and special interviews. That interview with Lara Trump's on there. Uh, as well as all of our reporting from the Spin Room earlier uh, this week in Detroit. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. TGIF, folks. We made it to Friday, a beautiful Friday here in Washington, D.C. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guest with me for the hour, two friends of the program, Mark Ross, founder of Caracle Global, and Matt Brooks, a Republican strategist. He is also the executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. We were talking about getting the games for the for the NFL season, which you're going to like, you might as well take Roger Goodell's job, and that might be a reality if this law. <laughs> 
lawsuit oh, goes to, news. to hell in a handbasket for Roger Goodell. <laughs> take breaking it. news. <laughs> I will take it. Sign me up. That's that would be like a uh, you know the thing about I, I was we were talking before. I used to work for uh, uh, for Jack Kemp, and Jack Kemp always talked about that was uh, that was his dream job to be commissioner of the NFL. Isn't it funny? Like politicians dream jobs before they end up. I, I we interviewed Terry McAuliffe uh, on Bloomberg TV earlier today, and I was like, "So you're going to run for president?" He's like, "Well, I'd like to be pope." And you're like, <laughs> you're like "All right, Gov." Um, you can find that interview on uh, BloombergTV.com. He's got a, a book out about Charlottesville. It's worth a read if you're headed down to the shore. The beach, I guess, if I'm in D.C., but the shore if, where I grew up uh, this weekend. All right. Did you guys see this? I spent a pr- half the week in Detroit covering the debates. I'm still dizzy from the spin room. Uh, but President Trump weighed in on the debates. Take a listen to what President Trump had to say. He thought he was going to get attacked. President Trump was looking out for Obama, sort of. Take a listen. The Democrats spent more time attacking Barack Obama than they did attacking me, practically. That was President Trump speaking last evening in Cincinnati at a campaign re-election rally. Is it smart politics, Matt, for the Democrats to go after Obama? No, I think it's I think it's you know, I I think it's it's bad politics because it sends a message uh, to the American people that uh, Barack Obama is too conservative for even the Democratic Party today. Um, And what they're what they're conflating is that they're using uh, Joe Biden or they view Joe Biden as a proxy. Uh, for Joe Biden. So by attacking Biden, by attacking Obama, they feel that they're scoring points against Biden. You saw that with the, the Cory Booker exchange and the de Blasio exchange. And and they think that they can you know hold him accountable for every position. Now, Joe Biden misplayed his hand. There was a perfect comeback line that he could have said at the time, he, you know, when they were saying, did you, you know, in the on the issue of uh, uh deportations. And they kept saying, you know, did you support the president? Did you advise him? What did you do? And he should have just said, you know, I had Barack Obama's back then and I have his back now. And, uh, you know, the fact is you should as well because we're all here because of of Barack Obama in some way. And so... Or uh, just say, like, I I mean... I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a reporter, so... um, But I was was surprised. Uh, I was surprised by a lot of that debate. I, but go ahead, Mark. Come in here. I mean, do you think no, it's I'm smart for them to— No, I'm equally surprised. I mean, here's a guy who won the office twice, clearly knows how to win an election. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. There's the idea that Biden is running on his resume as vice president, but clearly here, you know, Biden has run two or three times before. Um, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I'm speechless. I didn't. I didn't think Biden had as worse of a, a second debate than the first one. I really didn't. I mean, and, and, and I say this because he was actually reserved. I mean, he could have unleashed on De Blasio, and he did not. Obviously, he doesn't view De Blasio as a significant threat. Uh, he could have unleashed on a on a on even to some extent Senator Gillibrand, and he did not. I think that her attack on him fell flat this time. Um, and I think from from. Biden's perspective, like there's 25 candidates who are all taking shots at him because he because he is the front runner. So, Matt, I mean, he's in a in a a unique position because not even all the candidates who are taking shots at him are on the stage as him. Yeah, no, it's that's look. And and the two people you mentioned may very well not even be in the next debate. They may not even be in the race uh, beyond uh, beyond this summer. So, uh, you know, you got to pick your your battles you know, uh, carefully, 
you don't want to punch below your weight. Uh, and and I think that you know the exchange that he had with with Kamala Harris, the exchange he had with Booker, were meaningful and important for establishing uh, his lane uh, and also pushing back. I think Kamala Harris uh, had a a disappointing evening. I think that uh, she did not help herself. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see the dynamic, uh, and hopefully the you know hopefully the Democrats will get down to one debate next time, uh, and it will be great to see a debate that has Elizabeth Warren, Bernie. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and, you know, really get the heavyweights in the ring. Marianne Williamson. hundred <laughs> percent, Marianne Williamson. Uh, I think what's been interesting about Biden overall is why he hasn't done a better job of clearing the field, like why he hasn't eliminated these people. I mean, in some ways he hasn't said, hey, I'm, I've been there. I know this job. I'm the most qualified, et cetera. And he really hasn't. I don't, I don't know if playing nice to your point is the right tactic. I've been really – listen, we're a five-month slog right, to the Iowa caucuses. Uh, the Biden campaign today released a very aggressive schedule for September. Um, you know, here's a guy who's a bit older. You would just think they would find a way to eliminate the incoming fire in the primary process I and put it out the field. I was going to say, but I think part of the challenge, if you're, if you're sitting in, in Biden headquarters and trying to come up with a strategy, is that in a traditional campaign, you're exactly correct, Mark. But I don't think that, you know, the, the Democratic primary voters want to hear, I'm the gray hair guy. I've been around. I'm the guy who can win. No, they want the red point. meat. They yeah. want the, the more progressive left wing, you know, you know, just fire us up. And, and what the Democrats have done to their detriment is they have created, um, you know, if this if this election was was happening in 2016, I think Biden would be in a lot stronger uh, position because the Democrats had super delegates back then. They don't have that check and balance uh, on the party that they did before the sort of safety break. That's a good uh, point. And they've also moved, you know, they've, they've totally front loaded the, the primary schedule so that there is no chance for building firewalls. And if you're Joe Biden, I just think you see a, a pathway that's very difficult given how progressive and how angry and how far left the Democratic primary electorate is right now. Now, there are even some stories about that. The DNC, to your point about the people that run the party, like they've been a little surprised about how, how heavy and how much angst there's been, really. There were, Cory Booker had a few you know, happy warrior type moments when he was on stage. But overall, it has been a bit of a dour pain season and attacking President Obama, you know, attacking America generally. I mean, there's a lot of good, positive things going on. Um, it's been surprising that we haven't heard more about the big macro issues of where these people want to take the country. I, I'm, I mean, and listen, I mean, whether or not you agree or disagree with Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, what I got from, you know, here on that flight back from Detroit to Reagan, what I was thinking about was they – their ideology has become the Trump in the room. Last time, last cycle in that crowded Republican field, President Trump was who everyone else reacted to. Joe Biden had to mention Senator Sanders by name during during the second night. And Medicare for all is the debate of the party. Medicare for all has become the debate for the entire Democratic ideology. But I was just really, I can't get this out of my head. Senator Kamala Harris's plan is not Medicare for all. And you know, what to, to Matt's point, when she's on a stage with Sanders and Warren, that they're going to be like, that's not Medicare for all. And it's it's just very interesting and in how Biden reacts to that. And the tests for Biden are going to be, what are, what are his ideas? Like, we're talking about Obamacare. What's Biden care? And that's going to be the test, but I think. As a communications professional, I've been really surprised about 
how much analysis these other folks have done with each other's plans. Like they were all like, your plan does this, your plan does this, my plan does this. Instead <laughs> of saying macro, like where we're going to take the country, um, do, do people, re- I don't know. Maybe Trump said I'm, no. I mean, I'll never forget that because I, I was one of those reporters who was like, what is your position on the export-import bank reauthorization? And he, I'll never forget that one rally. He's like, they keep asking me about policy plans. No one cares about policy plans. I mean, I, I think you can have it a little bit both ways in terms of caring about policy, personality, and politics. All three Ps we will continue to talk about. Coming up, download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Matt Brooks stays. Mark Ross stays. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Bruce Springsteen. Gotta love it. Friday. It's August. I should be headed down the Jersey Shore, but I'm not. I'm here. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're talking all things politics, policy, and uh, personality, to be honest. you got to have a little bit of all three these days. My guest with me for the hour, Mark Ross, founder of Caracal Global, Matt Brooks, Republican strategist and executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Gentlemen, thanks for being here on a Friday. Uh, we're going to do this. We, we do things on Friday where, where I ask, like, what's on your radar? I mean, not much because, to be honest, the president signed a two-year debt agreement today. So that ceiling's handled. Uh, it's August. No one's in town. It's kind of slow. So what's on your radar, Mark Ross? Well, Brexit. Why? 90 days from October 31st. Okay. Um, Boris Johnson. Wait, wait, wait. 90 days. What's happening on Halloween? So on October 31st, Brexit, the new prime, the new, uh, prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, has declared he will take the United Kingdom out of the European Union, even without a deal. So that's the big cutoff date, October 31st, Halloween. Oh, also, Lord. here on this side, I'm very interested in the number of Republicans that have resigned or quit in the last two weeks. We're up to six. Uh, Representative Heard today, or last night resigned. So clearly, to me, that's a sign that the GOP members aren't confident that they're going to take back the House of Representatives. And what that does for fundraising puts more and more attention on the presidential campaign. All right, well, let's – I want to come back to Brexit, but let's – because we got, we got a Republican fundraiser here in the studio. So a pro. <laughs> Matt, Matt Brooks is a Republican strategist, executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. So your, your thoughts on what's going down in the Texas de- – everyone's talking about this, by the way. The Texas delegations, maybe they're just sick of being in Congress. Go ahead. Well, we just, we just picked one back up with Radcliffe staying in, uh, in Congress. And Radcliffe so. is, is, is staying in Congress because he's no longer so going all to be – So all the panic about the Texas – Texas delegation. We yeah. just we just held on to one, but I think that uh, you know it's it's I think it's a big mistake to read too much into this uh, because on one hand, people that are a number of the people that are that are retiring uh, are from really competitive districts that we almost lost last time that we very well lose this time. But one of the things that's encouraging to me uh, is the tremendous success we're having at uh, candidate recruitment in a number of races that uh, uh, Trump carried. Uh, you know, Trump carried that switched from from Hillary, and I think we have some some great opportunities to make up some gains. And the fact of the matter is, the going back to what we said before, as the Democrats continue this, the the political center of gravity moving further and further left in these, you know, in in a lot of these districts in Middle America, it just makes it difficult for the for the Democrats to hold on. Matt Brooks, uh, you mentioned John Ratcliffe, Congressman Ratcliffe, Texas Republican. He says he will not 
be President Trump's next national intelligence director. That headline came out today as well. Here's something that I shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it anyway because it is Friday. So when I was doing my TV hit at the White House on this, I, I, kept, say, I kept thinking in my head, Theo Ratcliffe. And of, of Philadelphia 70. And I was like, don't say it, don't say it. And I didn't say it, but I just want to share, because I'm honest, that I almost had a massive brain flub uh, on air. And I didn't. There but, really should be more discussion about Philadelphia during the show. <laughs> Sound know, on doesn't have enough Philadelphia you know talk. I'm so homesick. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Brexit. I just want to quickly point out that President Trump talked to Boris Johnson today as well. It's, I'm interested to see how Boris Johnson's relationship is with President Trump because Theresa May and Trump, they didn't really get along. Matt Brooks, what's on your radar? Uh, I've been following very closely um, the shift in the Democratic Party as it relates to uh, to Israel and to the Jewish community. And I think that uh, uh, in the during this August recess, uh, you have uh, Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar are going to be participating on a trip that they're organizing uh, to, uh, uh, to the Palestinian territories in Israel uh, to raise attention to this issue. Um, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump has been the single most pro-Israel president ever in history. He has redefined the relationship. Uh, that is infuriating the Democrats, every single one of the Democrats who are running for president, and uh, certainly the squad and, and others have been talking about uh, the need to, to reset and reposition the U.S.-Israel relationship. Uh, they have trafficked in, in anti-Semitic uh, comments. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more of the mainstream in the Democratic Party. So it's something that I'm watching, especially with this trip overseas to Israel, uh, how this continues to play and, and where the Jewish community ultimately responds in this. It has been just a fiery month in American politics on the rhetorical front. I'm going to I'm going to you want to know what's on my radar. I interviewed Marianne Williamson in the spin room this week. And listen, no one's taken her seriously. But I will say this. This is what I, what I garnered from or gathered from, from this interview was she's saying that she wants to have a department of peace. And everyone's like, what is she? But crystals. She's holding on crystals doing yoga. No, this is interesting. What she's actually espousing is having soft power at the State Department in a, a host of emerging markets and in a host of all around the world. That is interesting because it's a contrast with libertarians, candidates on the left and the right, people like Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, who are not espousing that. So what she's advocating for is actually uh, things like the Peace Corps uh, and going into countries. And, you know, I mean, Matt, to, to put it in, in conservative speak, it would be compassionate conservatism worldwide. So I think that Marianne Williamson is going to be making a lot more uh, interesting points like that. And don't think that it's impossible because remember, it was Elizabeth Warren back when she was a professor who created the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I think that you could see a department. I think that her ideas of what she's calling for are actually she's espousing them in a way that resonates with a different kind of electorate, but they still are tactical ideas. That's what's on my radar. Mark Ross, founder of Caracal Global. Thanks for being here. Matt Brooks, Republican strategist, executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Thank you also for being here. That does it for me. What a busy week. Thanks for riding along and listening to us. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.